1: Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.
2: But the one thing that you can't do over Zoom, you can't walk on a beach with your family over Zoom. You can't, you can't hike Kodachrom State Park on Zoom.
3: Welcome to A Way to Go, a production of iHeartRadio and Fathom. I'm Gerilyn Gerba,
2: and I'm Pavia Rosati. Geraldine, Pavia. We're a few weeks into the coronavirus pandemic in the United States, and things that were looking not good even a week ago are looking dismal to terrible today, and it's hard to see how things will get better.
3: We hope the listeners out there are safe and that the people you love are safe and healthy too. We're taking things day by day here, recording podcasts from our homes and trying desperately to have some kind of normalcy, though I've kind of given up on feeling like things are normal. It's kind of a strange time to be in the business of
2: encouraging people to travel, don't you think? Yeah. Yes. This brings me to an important question, Geraldine. Are we ever going to travel again?
3: Of course we are. I don't think you have to be so dramatic about it. I think the question really is, are we going to be traveling in the same ways? I think, you know, just as going to the airport is forever different from how it was before 9-11, I think there's going to be lasting changes after the coronavirus. In what ways? We just don't know yet.
2: And what we want to do in this episode is a little different from what we usually do and just talk about what we think based on what we've been hearing from colleagues and travel industry folks we've been talking about, about what travel will look like when we come out of this.
3: Before we start, let's just take a moment to acknowledge all the travelers out there who have uh, lost out on their destination weddings, their honeymoons, their first trips abroad or the trips they've been planning for a lifetime it's It's so disappointing, it's so frustrating. In some cases, it's so expensive and it really sucks. So we feel your pain and that's all.
2: Yeah, and let's also take a moment of self-awareness to remind you that we know that in the middle of a global pandemic, our canceled and our unplanned future vacation should probably not be in the top five list of things we're thinking about right now. Doing what we can to stay healthy and to modify our behavior to ensure the collective health of our communities, our countries, and by doing so the rest of the world, that's what should be top of mind. We should also acknowledge the medical professionals on the front lines, including your pediatrician father, Geraldine, yeah. who are out there risking their own health to care for others. We tip that's our right. hats to you. Ah, uh, Yeah. I mean,
3: speaking of good health, that also brings us to speaking about the importance of having access to good health care in general. You know, when it comes to travel, if something goes wrong while you're in your own country, at least your health insurance will follow you, assuming you have some health insurance. We talked about this on the coronavirus episode we did with Dr. Jen Haith a few weeks ago, which feels like a few years ago, (laughs) um, which was super helpful, but already seems kind of outdated since things are moving so fast.
2: I know. We were talking about whether or not I could go to Brazil this spring, and she mentioned that a good litmus test would be to ask myself if I would be comfortable if I had to go to a hospital in Brazil. And I wouldn't, not because I don't trust their medical system, but because my Portuguese isn't that good. Well, well, but this, you know, she made that offhand comment, and I haven't stopped thinking about that because that would have never been... A consideration factor for me when I was thinking about where I'm traveling and where I'm going. And I might also add, because people don't know this, I have woken up in the hospital in the Dominican Republic in the middle of the night when I had a terrible car accident. So I've lived this before, but it isn't something that ever crossed my mind. However, it's This may be a consideration that people think about more carefully.
3: Moving forward.
2: Moving forward, knowing that they want to go to places that are within a medical system that they have access to and that they understand.
3: Which brings us to one of the outcomes we've been talking about with travel, which is we think people are going to be spending more time traveling within their home country. So domestic travel, we think eventually will be on the rise. People are concerned about their health care. It's one of the reasons why This kind of travel should go up. Even when the restrictions are limited, people might be hesitant about getting on a plane and want to stay a little bit closer to home.
2: You know, if China is an accurate indicator of what will happen in other countries, the travel industry in China is already reporting early signs of recovery in terms of the number of people who are searching for and making bookings for an upcoming May 1st holiday. One of the online travel agencies we were talking to has seen an increase of 80% in just one week. And so while a lot of the travel industry in China is bouncing back in terms of the hotels, the restaurants, the things that were projected and tourist sites, they're really starting to see an uptick. But it is almost primarily domestic travel and not inbound foreign travel.
3: I mean, it's also interesting because that number sounds really incredible, 80%, but when you're starting at zero, it might not be that dramatic of an uptick. I mean, I think the other thing to keep in mind is every country is handling this in a different way, and America is so huge, and each state is like its own country. It will be interesting to see how things play out from one region to the next. In keeping with that domestic travel trend, road tripping will probably be on the rise because if you're already quarantining with your family of four, you might as well stick them in the car and head up to the countryside or head to the mountains where you could be alone together in wider, more open spaces. It'd be interesting to kind of track what car rental business looks like after this and whether home rentals on Airbnb
2: and other sites like that go up in ways that we haven't seen before. Right. I mean, a car feels like a much more controlled and controllable environment than, say, a plane. I mean, I know that the next time that I get on a plane, I'm really going to be aware of the passengers around me and wondering where they're coming from and where they've been and who they've been in contact with. I know, I mean, I'm not the only one who is very aware of my personal space. And I'm also incredibly aware of what six feet away from someone looks like now in a way that I wasn't a couple of weeks ago. Oh right. I wonder if we're going to see this reflected in the destinations and the places that people go to. So instead of planning a vacation to a place that I know is going to be crowded like Disney World or London, maybe people will start looking at nature escapes and state parks right. and Places where they can feel like, okay, there is a lot of room around me. I'm not sitting on top of someone else. The picnic tables in the parks are separated from other people. So I wonder if we're going to see an uptick, yeah, in nature travel. I mean, maybe
3: it'll even be, on the positive, a a time for smaller parks to shine because during the summer, especially in the United States, these national parks can be really crowded. and. Maybe people will be digging a little harder to find some of those lesser known gems so that they can have that extra space to themselves and just be mindful of what happens when lots of people are together in an area, right?
2: Yeah. When my husband Ben and I went road tripping, we went on a terrific three or four day road trip through Utah a couple of years ago, and we were in Zion, which is one of the most magical places I've ever been to, but it was pretty crowded. Then we took Scenic Route 12 and ended up in Kodachrome State Park. We were the only people there. I mean, it was almost a little bit scary, but Kodakrum State Park, it was this unbelievable vast expanse and we were the only people there. Oh, that's so
3: nice. Pavia, I've kind of been fantasizing, well, as you know, we're both obsessed with exploring the Americas, but I have been fantasizing anyway about doing these big road trips now that I have kids and thinking, all right, what are ways that we can see see more stuff without having to get on a plane. So my mind was kind of going in that direction anyway, just be, by the fact that I have
2: two small people to drag a, around with. Gerilyn, are you finally going to get on the RV that you've been dying to do for years and years and years? You know,
3: my mother-in-law has this Airstream and has been kind of threatening to take us camping for years, but I, I do want to take her up on it at some point. I just think it's really charming. And, and, and I think this vintage Americana theme, I would not be surprised if that becomes more of a thing i think in the coming seasons because i would say from a travel perspective i could see especially as the summer comes if we're able to get get out and about kind of having a picturesque quaint americana vacation of yesteryear will be really soothing to a lot of people
1: you're a growing business
2: And I think your your point about other countries feeling the same way is also really relevant. I was talking with my friend Antonia, who owns an incredibly popular restaurant and hotel on the Amalfi Coast, and she said all the reservations have just dried up for the summer. And they're really concerned about their business. And I said to her, you know what you're going to see, though? You're probably going to see a lot of Italians coming. The Italians who are not going to go to Greece, who are not going to go to the Seychelles, who are not going to travel the world for their usual summer trips. They're going to say, okay, well, let's just get in the car and go down to the Amalfi Coast.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's all these sorts of feelings that I have about this from a personal standpoint. I mean, I'm thinking, all right, well, if we ever make any money ever again, I think I want to use it to boost my local economy. I want to spend money in the places that are really important to me that are near me. And that will extend to the places that I'm visiting in domestic sense. But I do feel like it's really important to keep a lot of the dollars, you know, nearby so that the things that we
2: love can remain, you know, or can pick back up again. That's interesting that you're focused on local things, because when we've been thinking about where we're going to go next, not that we're talking about it overly much, but in my mind, I'm going to Italy this summer. I'm going to London this summer. I mean, partly because we have family there, but I am not changing my mind about spending my money globally. Also, you know, the travel shows that I was invited to in May have been rescheduled for Africa this fall. And my first reaction when I got the email was, I'm going.
3: I think in general, people are going to want to travel to feel good because no one's feeling all that great. And maybe one way this will manifest itself is in more of a focus on health and wellness trips, which already have been trending for the last couple of years. But maybe people are becoming more conscious of how precious good health is. And as a consequence, health-minded travel will see an uptick so for some people that will mean hiking or going to the beach or surfing, but for a lot of other people, that'll be going to a spa or a health center or a retreat, or maybe saving up and splurging on going to a health resort, like the incredible Shah in Spain on the southeastern coast, which uh, the Shah's is actually opening up one in Mexico in 2021, which I think looks really, really nice. So Maybe integral health will become a bigger part of travel in some ways, and people will want to do that in small groups and just kind of keep an eye
2: on how they're feeling
3: mentally, physically, spiritually.
2: That's right. And I think we're already seeing this in Asia. Again, if we want to go back to if Asia is a month or so ahead of where we are, what's happening there? So the luxury hotel, the Upper House that, I, that we've both been to in Hong Kong focused its activities around the theme March month of wellness. And what they did was create experiences with partners like Lululemon and other local partners to help guests reconnect to the body and the mind through things like yoga, mindfulness practices, dynamic workouts, IV therapy, massage, and healthy cuisine. A lot of the resorts that we know, you mentioned Shaw in Spain, which is a hotel that's not necessarily just a spa that you would go to, but a real proper medical center that you only go to. I mean, doctors are a big part of your days there. Other places that we know about, like Split Apple in New Zealand or Sangha in Shanghai, these are resorts, and I put that in quotes, that really build themselves as vacation experiences focused on optimal health. Split apple. You can't even go there if you're sick. Like, you have to submit your blood test and your certain medical exams before they even let you go. And if you're not well, they don't want you to go there. Their whole purpose is you come here to begin a commitment to yourself to be as healthy as you can be for the rest of your life. And I bet that we're going to see this as something that more and more people want to take care of. We should mention also, those are some pretty fancy pants places. Absolutely fancy pants places, right? And some of the hotel, some of the other luxury hotel companies, like Six Senses that are already devoted to this, they'll probably see an increase. Well, I wonder if
3: people will really take more consideration before they travel if they're not feeling well. The question will be, though, I think a lot of this will be contingent on whether the airlines and the hotels will be more forgiving of people of travelers who are sick or are not feeling well because we know now that it's not only good etiquette but it's good health benefit to society to stay home when you're not feeling well, right? But there's so much pressure and often that pressure is financial because you do not get a refund. You do not get a credit if you miss your flight. It's a big expense. So people are like, oh all right, fine, I'll just get on my plane, right? Here's something everybody in the industry wants to know. Once things do calm down, how will the travel businesses react? Will the airlines stick around? I mean, Delta has dropped down to junk stock. They're always, I feel like, on a
2: wobbly precipice anyway. Delta? Are you hotels, kidding me? You're saying bad things about my beloved Delta? I,
3: I I love me some Delta. I'm just saying airlines in general. Are suffering. The, it's yes. tough business. Yeah, it's a tough business. But, you know, our hotels, are we going to see hotels become... More affordable? Will there be more deals? Will people want to stay isolated? Will they opt for home rentals? Again, will there be changes in policy where, if you are ill or you are sick, there'll be a little bit more compassion around that?
2: Who knows? We're seeing we're seeing different reactions so far, right? So Dar Alam in Morocco, which you've been to, Geraldine. Um, sent an email to me yesterday saying that they would honor any 2020 reservations throughout 2021 and that they wouldn't be subject to a rate increase that was already scheduled for next year. I think that's fantastic. I've seen some other companies around the world say, you can move your reservation to 2021, but you will be subject to rate increases. And I think that that's not as great. Remember how
3: I had gotten a slot at Lightning Field in New Mexico for this Yeah, you've been
2: on hold for that for a year.
3: For years, it's very, you know, you have to apply. Only six people could stay in this small cabin in New Mexico at a time. We finally got a reservation. Of course, they canceled all the reservations for this year, but they are honoring our place in the system so that next year we have first dibs on booking that same exact date so we don't lose our place, which is really good. Makes Takes a little bit of the burn off. When we've been speaking with other travel agents and advisors, something that keeps coming up is the idea that people who can afford it will want to maybe charter their own flights, rent a private villa, keep things a little bit more isolated than usual, and maybe take more quick trips just to get away and to refresh and save some of the big bucket list things for another. Another time.
2: I mean, it's certainly the province of the wealthy to be able to charter a private plane and to, you know, not that all villas are pricey, but saying let's go on a villa vacation. That's a that's a pricier trip than staying at, say, an all inclusive. But there certainly is something very appealing to being in a villa or in a home rental, Airbnb has certainly seen an uptick right now just in people who want to get out of cities and be in foreign places. I have a lot of New York friends who have just fled and gone up to random Airbnbs upstate mm. as if as if that's going to keep them away from anything or safer. But it's interesting what everybody's reaction is, right? Right. And it's interesting how some people are choosing to shelter in place, like we're doing, and other people are choosing to make travel their means of staying healthy by saying, I'm leaving home to stay healthy.
1: You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack.
5: Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for-product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
3: Another thing that I feel like you and I talk about all the time, Pavia, is how in the travel business for years we have heard and also have ad- adhered to ourselves at Fathom the idea that people just want experiences over things, you know, and this is the theme of every trade show and every hotel conference we attend. And I'm, I'm really curious if on a broader s- scale, you know, in a more macro way, if that will, if that will still hold true
2: or if- after this, Mm-hmm or if that era is like a little bit over. You know, I don't know about that because if you think about... I'm interested what's going to happen to business travel, right? So we're all now having Zoom conferences and we all know what each other's living rooms look like in a way that we didn't before. And business... While have having been severely impacted, it hasn't ground to a halt, right? People are still doing business overseas. My best friend manages teams in San Francisco, and she's been doing it from her apartment in Chelsea. These are meetings she would have otherwise had to fly to San Francisco to do. And
3: it'll always I, be it'll always be better to be able to to meet with people in person. But maybe once businesses
2: see how much money they're saving. Exactly. No, that's totally the point that I'm making. I think mm. companies might be like, "Well, why do you have to get on a? Pl- why do I need to spend five grand to send you to San Francisco for a two-hour meeting that you can now do over Zoom?" So maybe business travel is going mm. to really take a hit. But the one thing that you can't do over Zoom, you can't walk on a beach with your family over Zoom. You can't you can't hike Kodachrome State Park on Zoom. Like I do think that as much as we're experiencing things virtually, like museum tours of the the Louvre, it's really different if you are actually standing in the pyramid underneath the shadow of these beautiful places. So I think the experiences, I think we're maybe even going to be more appreciative of it having gone through a few months without having Okay,
3: so that I agree with, Uh, but I do think that the way, I guess, more of the consumer angle of travel, I feel like could change. So I do think, I agree with you 100%, that I think people are going to want to get out into nature, see beautiful things, maybe be more appreciative of the places that they're seeing, whether they're an incredible landmark or a natural phenomena, but other things like maybe this whole festival circuit, um, you know, these meetings in the desert, these kinds of things that feel much more like just like consumerist Instagram commodities like I won't be surprised, if, and I will actually be a little bit happy if those kinds of
2: enterprises dry up. Let's also just think about the density in cities, right? I mean, have you seen the photos of Venice? Oh, there I know. are dolphins and swans. All and I think fish. about is how
3: like psyched the Venetians must be on some level oh, to just my. not have people in their rolly suitcases at five o'clock in the morning, like ba over the cobblestone.
2: Exactly, exactly. And I mean, you know, the waters are clear. Right. This is, I mean, imagine if we could see Venice in this way. And now this means that the government would have, you know, that governments all around the world would have to take some lessons and maybe swallow some bitter pills that they don't want to take. But in terms of long term, better long term consequences, imagine if the Venice that people could see if it was more limited, if there were fewer cruise ships, scaring the dolphins away, and, you know, disgorging 10s of 1000s of people onto the streets at a go. I'm not saying that people shouldn't get on boats to see the world because there are many reasons why that's a good way of doing it, but in smaller numbers, right like maybe in we'll more just limited capacities. Out. I mean, you know, I don't want to talk about silver lining, but that would be really nice if the world uses this as an opportunity to learn some lessons that, in the rush to always be bigger, better, stronger, faster, nobody wanted to pay any kind of attention to being able to see Beijing on a clear day, right? like that didn't even seem possible at all. Well, you know, we're, we're spending a lot of time thinking about this, about how we will be thinking differently about travel and how this crisis will change how we even think about travel, right? So one of the things I've been fascinated about is how 50 is the age that's considered the cutoff to be at risk for COVID-19, Right. 50? Are you kidding me? 50 doesn't feel old to me. 50 doesn't feel fragile to me. I mean, I'm staring at 50. It's very close on the horizon. The age group of the, you know people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, a lot of the boomers would have said that their retirement years, these are the prime years for them to travel, right? They have, they've saved up their money. They no longer have kids in the house. They've stopped working. Fine. This is where I'm going to do all the things that I've never had a chance to do. I wonder, however, if this crisis will make people more aware of their potential physical limitations. I wonder if one of the consequences of this is going to be people being more aware of what their physical risks and limitations are, and if we're going to see on the other side of this, airlines, cruise ships, hotels ask their guests before they arrive certain health questions just to determine what their risks, if there are any, are, not only for the comfort of the guests, but also for the security of the other guests in the in the hotel on the plane. So that
3: raises really tricky privacy questions.
2: Oh, Gerilyn, the privacy question is huge. And we're going to get into this in an upcoming episode with Meredith Whitaker, uh, the co-founder of NYU's AI Now Institute, talking about specifically the... Uh, the cross-section and the dangers of artificial intelligence, privacy, and how that relates to travel. So stay tuned for that one.
3: Yeah. But in regards to what you were talking about earlier with the boomers, I also think it will be interesting to look at what's happening in terms of the COVID domino effect um, on other generations like the millennials and even people who are younger. You know, there, was a lot of, there is a lot of talk in the media about how Millennial travelers who are not originally taking the coronavirus seriously and were itching to take advantage of travel deals when everyone else was staying home. Some people are obviously not going to learn anything in this time period. But if we are, in fact, you know, isolated for the next couple of months, you know, will will this generation in general be kind of humbled and take things slower? Will they be the first ones out of the gate to travel there? There's already a, a phrase for this genre of travel you know, called fiasco travel or storm chasing, you know, storm chasers are the ones who look for five-star vacations at two-star prices and t- are the ones who touch down in places like right after a natural disaster. In a way, you know, they're helping to pick up the economy, but you know, they're kind of early adopters, but for places instead of, instead of things, but it'll be really,
2: you know, I'll be curious to see exactly who, it's traveling and when. We've covered a lot of that on Fathom over the years. It's like right after a, a hurricane, that's a good time to go to the tropical island. It's also when they need the most money and when the tourist dollar should come back. The health crisis, it may have some different overtones to it. But I know that one of the themes that I've been thinking about personally is just the whole notion of travel with a vengeance. You know, I wonder if a side effect of not being able to go anywhere will be to want to get out as much as and as fast as possible. My cousin, who has been self-isolating with her family in her home in Verona told me that she told her husband the other day, when this whole thing is over, I'm going to come to this house only to sleep. I never want to be in this house again, right? Right.
1: right.
3: I mean, I, I do think there will be a, definitely a group of people who have that reaction. My take is that we'll also see a trend of people focusing on other kinds of things and, and traveling less. I just think it's going to be a different era.
2: It might be a different era, but do you remember after 9-11 where there were all these articles about how irony is dead and sarcasm is dead and we're all going to go back to being nicer people? And as hopeful and as nice as that was, that lasted for a little bit. And then we went back to our normal selves. And after the horrible recession in 2007, it was like luxury is dead. Nobody wants to do conspicuous consumption anymore. And then for a while, people put their product clothes in brown bags. <laughs> but the industry bounced back sure really with... Abandoned. Everything happens so. in a
3: cycle. There's nothing new going on. But I do think we'll see. or Maybe it'll be a mini trend. A mini trend.
2: Listen, I hope I hope we emerge from this more aware. I hope we emerge from this more um, sensitive to the health of those around us. I hope we emerge from this more caring of the people who are taking care of us, the service workers and the bus drivers and the Uber drivers and the pilots and the nurses and the grocery store clerks who didn't have a choice to stay home throughout all of this, who were considered essential. How great would it be if we are more appreciative Sensitive to and caring of everyone yeah. around us. I'm sorry to, I'm, I'm sounding a little like shiny happy. I'd like to buy the world a Coke right now, and I'm sorry about that. But it would be nice if we learned good lessons. Right. Let's be
3: hopeful about that for just one, just for this episode. We'll go back to Let's Coke. be
2: hopeful. Okay, so we're all stuck at home. So,
3: you know, we can't go anywhere. It was- what
2: should we do in the meantime? What should we do while we're biding our time? You know, well, a lot of the stuff we've been focusing on on Fathom, and we're not the only ones doing this, are virtual travel. Like, what can you do at home to stoke your wanderlust. And so some people are like, I'm going to use this time to master my Portuguese with Duolingo. There's, you know, we've published all of these articles about movies that you can escape with. And that story was gangbusters. That story did so well for us, right? All these movies, everything from the Grand Budapest Hotel to Tampopo to The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I mean, we have all these movies. We just put a story up about live concerts that you can stream and have a party for just you and your loved ones in your living room. We did a feature about podcasts that can transport you. So virtual travel, we're seeing a lot of this right now. And
3: this is something that we'll be delving into a little bit more on future Podcast episodes.
2: So, thank you for tuning in. And depending on how long this coronavirus lasts, we may revisit this topic in the future in other ways. In the meantime, we'll be sure to include the helpful articles that we've read and the many travel ideas that we have on the show notes that you can always find at fathomaway.com. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you what you're doing to travel. You can always find us on Instagram at, at fathom way to go tag us tell us what you're up to tell us how we can be helpful tell us if there's anything else that you'd like to hear stay safe stay sane and we'll get through this thank you for listening and
3: that's our show thanks for listening if you like what you heard please subscribe and you know leave us a five-star review a way to go is a production of iHeartRadio and fathom you can find the details we talked about in the show notes and on our website fathomaway.com
2: don't forget to sign up for our newsletter when you're there I'm Geraldine Gerba and I'm Pavia Rosati and we'd like to thank our producer, editor and mixer Marcy DePina and our executive producer Christopher Hasiotis. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
1: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret
4: decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.
1: What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit Slack.com to get started.